Bible says. What? The Bible says. What? What does this Bible say? What? Say what? Say what? What does the Bible say? The Bible says. What? Here we are again. The Bible. Hey, says everybody. What? We are here. We are ready. We're back. We're back. Yes, we we have an intro episode, and now here we are for episode two of season three, I believe, is what we're on, and doing this whole afterlife thing today. I'm Pastor John, hailing from Centerville, Ohio. If you don't know me already, I'm, and I'm glad to meet I'm, you. And I'm Pastor Paul from Columbus, Indiana, neighboring states. It's good to be with you, everybody. Thanks yeah, for we're excited joining to be us here. today. The Bible says, yeah. well, you can you can find us all over the place. Wherever you uh, listen to your podcast, you will find the Bible says what? We would love for you to click, like, share, subscribe right now. Uh, we'll have sh- all that in the show notes as well. And love you, for you to spread the word. Just excited uh, to have conversations about this crazy, complex, confusing thing that uh, we call the Bible. That's what we're here for, right? Yeah, and we're starting today really this kind of supernatural Ooh. kind of series of uh, questions that you guys have been um, asking. And uh, today we begin a kind of a three-point, three-part uh, journey into the afterlife. And then after that, we are going to be talking about miracles. And then after that, we'll get into the topic of angels and demons and stuff. Right. And so we're, what we're really going to do is hone in on the, the book series, the, the earth-shattering, theologically in-depth er, book series, Left Behind, right? It was going to form all of our understanding of, uh, if you love Left Behind, it's a, it's a fun book read, but we're not going to base our conversation on it today are we so paul's looking at me stunned please god God, no (laughs) but no so we're gonna talk about life after death right that's kind of what yeah yeah what happens life what what, what the bible says you know what happens after we die and it's clear cut right in the bible you can go right to it and it says no that's not how it ever is no it's not that easy, is it? No, we're going to take a look at a, at a passage today. We're going to try to kind of dive into a passage in Revelation and kind of try to interpret some things from it to help us understand life after death uh, from a heavenly perspective. Uh, like I said, we've talked about hell before. We're not going to kind of dive into there today. You can go back and listen to our episode on hell from season one, but we're really going to kind of talk about what happens after we die from a heavenly perspective. So uh, we'll dive into that. But uh, yep. I mean, you know, this is a big topic. Like it's all over pop culture and movies, right? Yeah. People have been talking about what happens after you die. I think probably from the beginning, I wasn't there to talk to the people at the beginning, no, no, but, you're, you're but probably I'm pretty right. sure <laughs> humans in general, uh, oftentimes contemplate what happens when I breathe my last breath. It brings to mind, you know, we, and all over the movies, we have huge, you know, images and, uh, especially with all the CG. Now my mind goes straight to like infinity war and all the weirdness and interstellar with Matthew McConaughey. And that a fun one. I mean, it's yeah. Snap the fingers. I'm, I'm Thanos snapping my finger. I wish you what guys happens, could see past the ball right now. You? He's what trying happens? to snap. <laughs> Poof, Took you're gone. Get gone. Yes. Yeah, but where do you go? Do you go like to some weird world where you're walking around in puddles of water all the time? I don't know. They came back too, which is, yeah. Well, that's because they're Marvel superheroes and they never die. But that's that's true. That's true. (laughs) But it's all over the place, you know, and what, 
what happens to us and all kinds of beliefs, uh, not not just Christian beliefs. And we're not going to go outside the spectrum of Christianity today. Um, but, you know, the afterlife is a, is a common theme in all world religions, whether you come back as other people or you believe a in frog. our lives or you come back as a frog. Yes. I, I don't know what you would do to deserve that sort of fate. Well, you... if, anybody, if anybody would come back as a frog, it'd probably be me. So <laughs> would, What did you do, Paul? <laughs> I've done too much. Uh, or, uh, there, I mean, there's some beliefs, which I find in, uh, particularly depressing, where you just eventually are nothing. You know, like the, the point of the pursuit towards life after death is just to like blissfully be gone. Uh, I mean, so uh, there's ranging beliefs from the whole thing. And I think people are particularly interested uh, in where, where we go when we die or wondering where the people are that we love when they've died. You know, that's close to our heart. We, we lost somebody significant in, in my family just in the last, well, it's almost a year and a half now. Heather's mom passed away and I've had lots of conversations with my kids. So what, and they've been raised in the church and raised to know Jesus and love him. And but we still have questions and we talk about it all the time. Like, where's grandma and what's going on with grandma? And does grandma know what's going on? Is she waving down at us? Is you know, it's, I, it, yeah, it's just interesting and complex and I, probably important for us to say first before we engage in the, we're, our intention today is to, to try to unpack what the Bible says and deal with that. Um, but not necessarily give you all the answers to the question where we go after we die necessarily. Maybe Paul has the answer. <laughs> I'll be waiting with uh, bated breath. <laughs> that would be a big no. So big fat <laughs> negatory. But we will do our best to, uh, for our namesake of our podcast, the Bible says what? Uh, we want to engage with specific scriptures. We're going we're gonna to talk about it in general here a little bit, but then we really want to hone in to, as Paul referenced this passage in Revelation chapter 6, verses 9 through 11, and kind of deal with that passage on its own and unpack some of its meaning for you all today in our conversation. Um, but, but I thought I'd just start us off just to kind of prime the pumps a little bit, Paul, if that'd be all right. Here's two passages that I found just in and quick glancing through the scriptures, passages about the afterlife in the Google machine. You can do that. You can go and find all the passages that reference heaven. Here's two that I thought were interesting, maybe to kind of get our juices flowing a little bit. John chapter 5, verses 28, or verse 28. Do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. It's like, you know, the walking dead kind of thing. Those who have done what is good will rise to live. And those who have done what is evil will rise to be condemned. And kind of the scene of people who are dead in the grave, they're in the ground. We'll talk about Jewish understanding of that later on. Both rise up and some will live and some will be condemned, but both will rise, this life after death thing. Hebrews 9.27 says, just as people are destined to die once, except for poor saps like Lazarus, <laughs> got to die twice which is an interesting story and after that face judgment so christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many and who will appear a second time to bear sin but to not to bear sin but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him mm -hmm. so it talks about our you know death once and this bringing back to life reality that god is accomplishing in us kind of interesting it is there's a good two good passages that speak to the afterlife and uh, what the Bible says 
will take place, which is good. Great. Yeah. And then I, I uh, have been researching this particular topic over the last maybe 10 years, um, you know, reading different scholars. And I think there's a consensus that there are three phases of life, John Gibson. There is the life that we know now, mm-hmm. uh, life on earth that we are living today uh, here in Indiana and Ohio and wherever you may be. We are here today on this earth. Uh, so that's phase one. Uh, this is a I feel like you're about f- to unpack Marvel movies. This is phase right, right, right. one. <laughs> <Timeline>, phase <laughs> one. Uh, and, and this is a temporary phase. And and then the second phase is, is uh, uh, after we die, those who are believers are um, taken to heaven for a, what is referred to as intermediate heaven or a temporary um, paradise. So you're not and, talking about purgatory. No, 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 no. This is a, <laughs> this is a temporary. We're going to talk about specifically yeah, right. this idea today is that when we die, we go to what people say is heaven with Jesus paradise. And it's a temporary idea. And then the third phase is after Jesus comes back and the bodies are raised, we live for eternity on the new heavens and the new earth, a renewed earth. And so those are the three phases, this life on earth now, this uh, temporary heaven, uh, this intermediate kind of stage of life where we are with Jesus. This is where our loved ones are, this this idea of heaven. But uh, this is only temporary because uh, everyone in heaven is awaiting this big event of the return of Jesus to earth and where he makes all things new. Uh, and that's where the resurrection of the bodies and, and life eternal takes place. Um, and we see that at the end of the Bible in the last two chapters. Uh, so today we're going to talk about that middle phase, what happens when we die, the afterlife. Um, and for some of us, this might be new because we have thought that when we die, that we go uh, to heaven and that's where we spend forever and ever and ever. Uh, so this idea of a temporary location awaiting something eternal might be brand new. So we're, yeah. we recognize that, uh, yeah, some of this might be new. But this is uh, the um, the primary way that um, theologians and scholars uh, view this particular thing. And we'll see today that this is uh, what we see in Revelation chapter 6. Yeah. And again, it bring, it bears to the point that this also is a very complex issue and a very complex uh, topic, and we don't have the answers. And even uh, no, no, theologians no. and Orthodox academics don't have the answer. It's interesting. You were talking about that in this intermediate heaven, and we just read scriptures that talked about people who are in the ground <laughs> waiting on Jesus to come. It's just there, There's just so much cultural interplay as well with uh, Jewish uh understanding of the scriptures and the Hebrew understanding of afterlife and how we read it as modern uh, people, modern humans in the world. And uh, so we're, we're just working towards having a healthy understanding of what, what the afterlife is. And, and again, we, we all have images in our mind, you know, lights in heaven and stairways and doors and gates and pearly golden streets and all of these things. And um, I think it's, for me, it's a healthy, uh, movement in life to recognize. And I talk about this a lot with people, this idea that 
what God is accomplishing now is moving towards this culmination of the new heavens and new earth. And I think you hit right on it, Paul, and we'll talk about this here in a second, but that, that there's a, a particular misunderstanding where we forget the reality that God is is bringing to bear this all things new project in the world where he, he is going to recreate or, or not recreate, but make whole all of creation again, this restoration project of not just us, but of all creation to live in perfect unity uh, with heaven and earth together. So I think that's a really important thing as I hear, heard you talk, this understanding that God is moving us somewhere and that work is is yet to be completed and heaven is a part of that reality. Or God yeah, is. yeah. Absolutely. It, it, one good way of looking at this, uh, Scott McKnight, who is one of my favorite scholars, he he says that uh, this temporary heaven is maybe what we refer to as a lowercase h heaven. It's a temporary heaven awaiting the new heavens and the new earth, and he capitalizes that h heaven. And so the temporary is the lowercase awaiting this big vain event that's building and everything's moving towards what we refer to is the capital H heaven. And I know it, it's incredibly complex and confusing, but uh, I think this revelation passage, can we just jump right to there? Yeah, let's do uh, it. I very, think that would be good. Really helpful. So let me go ahead and read this is revelation chapter six, verses nine to 11. Uh, and I think again, remember when we read revelation, this is apocalyptic literature. We talked about that. Uh, it's, it's metaphorical. So we can't take uh, everything here. Literal. Uh, there's a lot of symbolism here, but I think if we read between the lines and see what's going on here, we can um, interpret some things that could help us understand. Uh, so Revelation chapter 6, verses 9 to 11, when he opened the fifth seal, this would be Jesus, I, John, saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony they had maintained. They called out in a loud voice, how long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood. Then each of them was given a white robe, and they were told to wait a little longer until the full number of their fellow servants, their brothers and sisters, were killed just as they had been. This is a really powerful scripture. Uh, it's talking, this is in the, the, the seven seals uh, that wrap around the scroll of God. Uh, and as Jesus is popping the seals off the scroll in the book of Revelation, uh, chapter six and seven, uh, after the fifth seal, uh, John is seeing, um, that there are the martyrs underneath the altar. Now, I do not believe they were physically underneath the altar. I think that's symbolism, but he sees the martyrs, these people who have died. Uh, and where are they? They're in heaven. Uh, chapters four and five speak of this heavenly scene and, and all of the angels and all of the people who have passed away are worshiping, uh, God, the father and Jesus, the lamb on the throne. So this is this heavenly scene. And as we look, we see the martyrs. And, and so these are people who died for their faith on earth and have been taken to heaven. They are taking, and as they are there, they're asking Jesus a question. And I think this is super important because um, they're conscious, they're aware, they're, um, uh, they're aware of what's going on on earth. Uh, they're aware of they're in the presence of God. I mean, they're aware, they're consciously aware. Um, 
They're aware of the situation on earth and they ask God, how long? How long, uh, sovereign Lord, holy and true until you judge the inhabitants of the earth, which he's referring to the second coming. How long until the second coming? Remember, we talked about the three phases. Everything's building towards the third phase. Here we have people who have died for their faith. They're in heaven and they're waiting for the big event. They're waiting for the main event when Jesus is going to come back. And they're saying, how long? I think we can deduce some things, John Gibson, from this passage. Again, can't take it literally, but I think we can deduce some things from this passage of what this temporary heaven um, is. And uh, that, that, that idea of anticipation really speaks powerfully here as they're awaiting something. How long until you come and make all things right? How long before you judge those who killed us, right? Uh, yeah. And so that's, that's kind of where these people are. And so I think we can deduce that, uh, that maybe that helps us understand uh, what's going on presently in heaven. I don't know. What are your thoughts when you kind of heard that passage in that way? Yeah, and it's interesting. And I've read this passage before, and it's it's interesting to me because we're we're specifically uh, honing in on in this passage martyrs, people who were killed for their faith. Um, and again, symbolically, I wonder how much is, of that is connected to folks who have died for their faith, and also folks who who are in heaven now, who are believers, who are who have placed their trust in Christ. Because there's there's this distinction of of faithful or righteous ones who have been made whole. And you obviously you don't uh, hear mention of other folks other than this judgment of avenging those who were, you know, killed for their faith. And so it's interesting to me and it brings the question as well, are, are we just seeing martyrs in heaven? You, you kind of referenced before uh, a couple chapters before this picture of, of the, the heavenly realms and people worshiping, um, I just thought that was interesting how this passage is specifically honing in on on martyrs in this scene. And, you know, as a average, average everyday person, what does that mean for me if I'm not a martyr? Do I have to die for my faith yeah. in order to be here? <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. I think that would be a question somebody would ask if they heard the scripture out, out of context. Yeah. Uh, well, what about me? What Do I have to go out and get killed for my faith in order to be there? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, I think that's a fair question. I taught a Bible study series on this topic of heaven, and that question came up. And I think when you take a look at it is uh, the martyrs are representative of faithful witnesses, right? They're faithful yeah. people that the book of Revelation is really talking about. So, I mean, if we're looking at faithful ones, believers, people who live their life, I think we can deduce some things here of maybe what the condition is for all believers, um, and again, speculation, of course. Uh, but I think this passage is helpful to, um, give us a picture of maybe the awareness that exists in heaven of people that, um, have passed on. Um, yeah. I think, you know, I think, uh, you know, I have, uh, family members, um, we lost, my wife lost her mother, uh, earlier, um, in, in 2021, and so a lot of the conversations that you have had at your family, uh, we have also had. And, you know, you know, you think of, I think of my mother-in-law as a, as a faithful follower of Jesus. And I, I, I see her, um, you know, uh, at, at the throne, yeah, you know, worshiping Jesus, uh, awaiting how long, Lord, before you are going to come and make all things right, all things new. Um, again, some of that's speculation, but 
You know, I think that's one of the beautiful things about um, the scriptures. It gives us little glimpses, not not full glimpses, yeah. little yeah. glimpses, and uh, that's where we have to deduce some things. I think it's it's also interesting to me too when we read this with modern eyes. You know, our, at first glance, verse ten, they called out in a loud voice, "How long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood?" Uh, and our modern perspective, oftentimes, of judgment is one that's negative. We 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 judge those who have wronged us, and or God is judging those who who are evil uh, and wrong. But but from a Hebrew perspective, judgment was something uh, that we long for. Uh, judgment is is God declaring the brokenness of our lives and clearing it away and, and leaving behind what is right, holy, true, and pure that he wants to bring to bear in our lives. You know, judgment is a completely, or they see it from a completely different perspective, I think, than sometimes our modern uh, eyes would see it. And if, if you read that into that verse, it kind of changes the perspective a little bit about maybe what they're longing for. I don't know. Maybe I'm completely off. I'm, but I, I read that from the perspective of how long until you judge the rest of the inhabitants, inhabitants of the earth from the perspective that death and evil and sin has brought about brokenness and death for all people. And this avenging of our blood, avenging of the death that we've experienced is one of longing for God to come and make all things new and to avenge humanity in a sense uh, of the evil that has been inflicted upon us because of sin and brokenness. I don't know. Just again, it's an example of how you could read this and you need to look underneath the text as well. What is going on? How, how do, how would they understand concepts like judgment and heaven and afterlife as we read passage? We can't necessarily only read this with modern eyes and think that that's what it means too. And I think that's important. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I, I think if you look at it from the perspective of um, judgment as justice, um, I, I think that, uh, you know, the people in heaven long for justice. And if justice is defined as things are made right in us in the world, I think this really communicates the longing for things to be made whole and right. And as you said, the idea of judgment as being a good thing, uh, the healing of the world. And, uh, yeah, you see this, this is what they're longing for. They recognize when Jesus comes back, he will, um, make things right. Right. And, uh, I think that's a beautiful thing. The other thing I, I, I see here that I, I found significant is, um, they are, um, told to wait a little bit longer mm -hmm. that things aren't ready yet. Um, and, and I think that's a great reminder for all of us today as we long for that second coming, uh, is that the timing isn't quite right yet. Uh, and so our family members, our friends, brothers and sisters who are in heaven, they're awaiting, anticipating, um, for the timing to be made right. Uh, just like we on earth are longing and waiting for the second coming of Christ, come quickly, Lord, uh, for him to fix uh, the brokenness in us and in the world. So there's this, uh, waiting that defines this phase. The second stage of the intermediate heaven, the temporary heaven is there's waiting happening. 
So it's interesting. You referenced that the reality in this passage of Revelation, this waiting, right? So that the timing isn't right. And whenever I hear the word waiting, I get this like something in my craw a little bit because when it, it seems to me that any time you have to wait, something bad is looming, you know. And and we have we have kind of a um or an inference to this reality that the the waiting isn't isn't always easy uh, most definitely it's hard like the the timing that they're waiting for is for these other number of people uh to experience the same fate as these folks in heaven experienced and you know i think that's hard for us to kind of get our minds wrapped around as well as, and it brings up other questions which we can talk about and we have talked about before is why all the waiting why why is is God holding off this culmination moment? Uh, could he intervene and keep these poor saps from experiencing martyrdom again? And, and it's not specifically for our topic today, what's going on in the afterlife, but but this reality of waiting is hard. And I think it's why we default to heaven is just heaven. You know, I think that's what makes this concept difficult for for some of us to grab hold of and why we like to just say when we die we just go to heaven and that's it and that's forever is because it keeps us from having to have conversations like this of well what what do you mean these folks are waiting and what do you mean that the the real heaven and earth aren't here yet and that because that kind of all stinks you mean when i die now i'm not going to have the full experience of heaven i'm just getting half of heaven (laughs) you know and that's that's a challenge we don't like to wait as humans i guess is my point and it's something that comes out in this passage that's interesting to me absolutely absolutely i mean yeah i mean there there is a another uh, thought within Christian circles that um, some people believe that uh, when you die, you are in kind of a state of um, sleep or rest awaiting the second coming of Jesus. And then all of a sudden you wake up and uh, time has passed. And, uh, and you know, I, I, I hear that. I hear that idea of soul sleep, you know, um, this passage presents a kind of a, um, a, a, an awareness, a conscious awareness of what is real, um, as people wait, uh, as, as Apostle Paul says is, um, absent from the body present with the Lord today, you will be with me in paradise to the thief on the cross, right? Uh, there is a sense in those passages that it speaks to some sort of conscience, awareness, something that is, um, like life. Um, but it's not yet whole. So anyway, I just babble in there, but I think it's important to recognize. Yeah. I think it's important to recognize that there are other thoughts on this. Uh, but when you take a look at some of the passages, it gives us a picture. I mean, not a full picture, just a glimpse into something very mysterious that we would like to refer to as heaven. Yeah. But I think if there's anything that we could really emphasize is that this second stage is temporary, is awaiting something bigger, waiting something more beautiful, waiting. It's building towards something that is mentioned in the Old Testament and the New Testament, this idea of a new heavens and a new earth. Yeah, I, I thought it was really kind of a cool idea too that that you will 
in, in this heaven, in this place, they remember their, their lives. You know, they, they weren't mm-hmm. transported and just like the clean slate wiped of all of their memory and all of their relational engagement. You know, my, will I remember my, my pet Jojo and will I be married? And all those kind of questions are interesting. But this gives us a little clue that at, at least in, in some ways we'll, we'll be who we are now just in a perfected form in heaven. I think uh, that's probably a common question that people might have is what will be left of me <laughs> when I'm there? You know, will grandma remember me when I go see her again someday? Um, and according yeah, to this I mean, passage, they have a recollection of who they are for sure. They do. And they're able to communicate and they're able to uh, commune with God. They're able to request uh, they're learning God's will as they go. I mean, there's a lot taking place in this passage. And again, Revelation, uh, we can't take it literally, uh, but it does give us small glimpses into something um, that maybe we can grab hold of. Yeah. Great stuff, man. Any Anything else you want to unpack with that passage, Pastor Paul? We're no, I, 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 mean, I think there's a, there's, there's a lot here and it's beautiful, but I, I think that... Uh, uh, for this part of the conversation, uh, is, is, uh, the, the people that we know in heaven, when we die, we join them, the communion of saints, uh, in this, uh, paradise of God, this awaiting, uh, in God's presence, but there's an anticipation of what comes next. And I do think it's important that we recognize that heaven as we know it, in this temporary sense, isn't the end of the story. There's something more. And next week we'll get into, you know, the resurrection of the bodies because it is so critical that we talk about the physicality um, that God designed uh, for us in these new bodies. And we want to eventually talk about life after life after death which is that, that, that main event. And so we're kind of building towards that by looking at these kind of stages. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it too, because I, I think the, and the more we engage with scripture, the more we see little glimpses, little hints of what God is up to. You know, you kind of mentioned that the physicality of, of the reality of heaven someday. And we see glimpses of that, of that in scripture all, all along from Genesis to revelation from beginning to end. We see this convergence of the spiritual realm, God and divinity coming down and merging with this physical creation, joining and uniting as one. And I think that's reflective of the future that is coming, where our physical bodies aren't nothing and they're not inherently broken in a sense that they will be destroyed forever. But there's there there's something in the creation of the physical world that God cares about deeply. And I'm looking forward to that conversation next week about the bodily resurrection, which was so central to the the early theology in the New Testament church. Uh, the Apostle Paul talks about it all over the place of this reality of this bodily resurrection. It was a, actually, it was, a, it was a sticking point for a lot of the first century kind of theologians as they were developing their understanding about this life after death reality. You know, will we only be heavenly bodies? What is there only a spiritual realm? Is the body sinful and broken and you know the the gnosticism kind of understanding of that reality and so it's interesting this isn't a new conversation either about this bodily resurrection so i'm looking forward to that good stuff yeah me too me too all right man well we we dove in a little bit today revelation chapter 6 verses 9 through 11 on the bible says what kind of unpack that for you uh is there more absolutely go on the google machine 
and read the Bible for yourselves. We hope that uh, uh, out of everything we talked about today, we might have wet your whistle a little bit and made you go, hmm, what does the Bible say? Hmm. Hmm. It says lots of things, and lots of things will make you go, hmm, make you scratch your head. And our desire as pastors and as fellow uh, wanderers and ponderers as we journey towards Jesus, really our desire is to ignite in you uh, a desire to know Jesus more deeply and to be in his word and to engage in uh, critical conversation. Uh, and that's what we're all about here. So I'm thankful for you taking time to listen today. And we can't wait to talk about the resurrection of the body next week as our, our great theologian, Pastor Paul, will continue to lead us <laughs> in these unpacking of scriptures. Um, but it was great to be with you today. Can't wait to, to be in conversation next week. And until then, I'm Pastor John. And I'm Pastor Paul. Hey, grace and peace, everyone. Take care. The Bible says what? The Bible says what? The Bible says what? What does this Bible say? What? Say what? Say what? What does the Bible say? The Bible says what?